0: Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be at today. I would like to read verses 1 through 12. I want to open up by reading verses 1 through 12. I'll give you a second to get there. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. I begin a series of sermons on the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon, in my opinion, that was ever preached. It's a sermon by our Lord and Savior, Yeshua of Nazareth. We covered verses 1 through 6 last Sabbath, and today on the New Moon service, we're going to cover verses 7 through 12. Let's read verses 1 through 12 to open up. Matthew 5, verse 1. When he saw the crowds, this is speaking of Yeshua, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart because they will see the Almighty. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of the Almighty. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. Yeshua is teaching here about the blessed life or I talked about how that the word blessed in Greek can also mean happiness and he's teaching us how to be blessed and how to be happy and that happiness from above is not based upon life's circumstances but is based upon our relationship with Yahweh through Yeshua and our imitation of Yeshua's life and how he conducted himself, his behavior. This is not about an out-of-reach life. There are some people that teach that the Sermon on the Mount is out of reach. It's not possible for the believer Um, Now, I do believe that it is only obtained by Yahweh's power. I believe that Yahweh is sovereign even in the salvation of men and women. But it is something that through the Spirit, through the indwelling of the Spirit, the measure of the Spirit that we have now and in this life, these principles are obtainable by the Spirit of Yahweh that works within us. And if we want to be different... This is the best way to be different. There's always a societal pull. Everybody wants to be different in their own way. And I think that a lot of people, I remember when I was growing up in high school, I kind of was looking for something. And I was kind of you know wondering, what do I want to do? How do I want to act? What do I want to be? Who do I want to be like? And you have these role models. And a lot of times they're not good role models. But I didn't understand that at the time. But there's always this kind of societal pull to be trendy and to go with the flow so that you don't upset the apple cart and make people uncomfortable and do things that are out of the norm in your culture or your society. Um, i never forget a shirt, a t-shirt that my dad had growing up. My dad was a minister of music when I was little and then in my uh, middle school and some of my teenage years he was a pastor of a congregation and He wore this shirt sometimes on the Wednesday night gatherings or the casual gatherings, and it said, go against the flow, and it had all these fish swimming in one direction, and then it had this little bitty old fish (laughs) swimming in the opposite direction. And it was one of those Christian t-shirts that was trying to communicate the idea across to those that saw it, that as a Christian, a follower of the Christ, which is what the original word Christianos means, a follower of the anointed one. We are not called to go with the flow, but go against the flow. Sometimes society, modern culture, gets things right. Sometimes they they get things right. But that's not our standard. That's not our judge. We're going to go against the flow by being obedient to the law of Yahweh, by following in the footsteps of Yeshua. And that alone will make you different. You don't have to try to be different. You don't have to force yourself to be different. All you got to do Follow Yeshua, imitate his life, and you, I promise, will not be the same as everyone else. What you believe affects your behavior. If you truly believe there's a creator and you truly believe he sent his son as our Savior, our Messiah, that will affect your behavior. If it doesn't affect your behavior, then genuine faith does not exist in a person's life. Genuine faith will always, without exception, inevitably produce works in the life of a person. We're seeing some of these works here today in Matthew 5, 7 through 12. Let's look beginning at verse 7. Blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. And I want you to translate that or transfer that to being merciful when you live your life in a way that you give others the benefit of the doubt and even though they may deserve punishment or may deserve to be put out, you show mercy to them. Why? Because you know that you wouldn't be, as a child of Yahweh, where you are at if Yahweh had not shown mercy to you. Everybody listening to my voice by phone or watching the video by Facebook Live, everybody, has committed transgression of the law. None of us deserve eternal life. As Psalm 103 says, we sang it moments ago, he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. And if he had showed us mercy, we ought also to be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. I remember when my children, I have five children. And now, praise Yahweh, I have three grandchildren. But when my when my children were small, we had to do the job of disciplining our children, my wife and I. And we believed that the scriptures in Proverbs that talks about the rod of correction, we didn't take them just metaphorically. We took them literally. And I believe they are to be taken literally to some extent, obviously. Uh, I think there's a few hyperboles mentioned in Proverbs, but it's for another message and another time. But I remember specifically with my sons when I would give them a spanking. And a lot of times I would tell them, Daddy is going to give you a loving spanking. And I know that my sons didn't understand that when they were little. And you know how I know that? Because I didn't understand it when I was little. And my dad said, you're going to have to get a whooping son. (laughs) And I'd sit there and wait in my room. Now I would be scared to death because they hurt. But that was the way that my father loved me and showed me discipline. He didn't want me to grow up to run around like a, a wild, rabid animal. Um, and just wreak havoc in society and culture, he wanted me when I became a man, which I am now. He wanted me to be a contributor to society and to to uh, bring lawfulness and legalness to the culture instead of lawlessness and illegalness to the culture and so he would give me spankings when I would grow up. but um, there were times when I would sit down. And I would try, and I didn't always do my best. And, and when you're a parent, you'll learn you'll learn that you're going to make mistakes when you're a parent, and you're, there's going to be things you wish you could go back and do over, and there's, there are things I wished I could go back and do over differently. But I would try before I would discipline my sons to calm down and spend some time them in their room and me apart from them, and then sometimes I would go in there, I'm building up to a point, Sometimes I would go in that room and I would say, Dad has decided to give you mercy instead of what you deserve today. That doesn't mean that what you did wasn't wrong. You did wrong. But today, Dad is giving you mercy. And the reason I would do that sometimes, not all the time, sometimes I would give them what they deserve just like sometimes Yahweh punishes me with what I deserve. But I would do that because I would rehearse in my mind all of the times as an adult now when I got caught up in a transgression or a sin and I went back and asked Yahweh to forgive me and He forgave me even though I did not deserve it. And He forgives me because of what Yeshua accomplished on my behalf in His life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so because of Yahweh's great mercy upon Matthew that motivated Matthew to give mercy a lot of times to my sons and I wouldn't give them a spanking. When you recognize your own need for mercy it will help you to be merciful. If you walk around and you don't think that you have any need for mercy then it's going to be hard for you to give it out to other people. But when you come to grips with your transgression and your sin and how far away from Yahweh you are in and of yourself and you really see that then you'll begin to want to spread that mercy to everybody that you meet. You'll want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I know there comes a tipping point and there comes a time when we do not want to enable somebody's bad behavior and sometimes we have to show hard love to people by loving them at arm's length. But to begin with, we should give people the benefit of the doubt and be merciful to them. There is a scripture in the Gospel according to Luke. I think it's Luke 17 where it's talking about these two brothers and they're working together for a day and it says if your brother sins against you and he repents and you must forgive him And then it says if he sins against you seven times in one day but he says I repent you must forgive him and immediate reaction seven times so if he hollers at me or curses me seven times but he's remorseful and says I repent I'm sorry Matthew I'm supposed to forgive him well that's what the scripture says Luke 17 I believe it's Luke 17 you could double check that somewhere in the gospel of Luke we should love people without wondering if they are worthy of love that's a tough one. The reality is we are all unworthy of the love of Yahweh. We have all transgressed Yahweh's law we have all broken every one of the Ten Commandments before in our life. Um, If you don't think you have I can walk you through them and and some people say well I've never committed murder but as we're going to get to in Matthew chapter 5 he talks about hatred in our heart uh, being spiritual murder, he talks about lusting with our eyes, being spiritual adultery, so we 've broken all of the commandments of Yahweh, and yet Yahweh has loved us in spite of our transgressions. How much more ought to we to love others without wondering i can't love them because they're not worthy, If that was the case, then Yahweh would have never loved you because you're not worthy either. Unconditional love motivates. Righteous behavior more than anything. When you see that someone loves you unconditionally, in spite of your flaws, in spite of your failures, in spite of your shortcomings, and you ask for forgiveness and they forgive you, you think there's no way that that can happen unless it's something supernatural. That's not what the natural man does. The natural man says, let's get back at him. Let's not forgive them. Let's hold a grudge. Let's be mean-spirited. The spiritual man, the spiritual woman inside of a person, the spirit of Yahweh, says, I'm going to forgive them because of the way Yahweh has treated me. And that motivates righteous behavior. Through you showing mercy, you do so much more than quoting Bible verses. We always think that the more verses we quote to an unbeliever, or the harder that we speak to an unbeliever, but they've got to see. So we get harder and harsher. We got to quote all the verses. And in reality, a lot of times, what that does is it closes the door. It shuts the door of salvation for that person. Now, I'm not saying Yahweh can't, by His power, open that up. I'm just saying that's not the way to win souls. He that wineth souls is wise. And one way, one way that we're wise, is by how we treat unbelievers in kindness and in mercy. You put it to practice. You show an unbeliever mercy. Quit quoting the Bible verses. Quit trying, trying to give the religious cliches. You just do good. You practice the law towards them. You love your neighbor as yourself and you be kind to them and you show them mercy and you forgive them if they fail. And they'll begin to see there's something different about that man. There's something different about that woman. They're not the same. I've never met anybody quite like that. And through the mercy that you show, they will come to faith. The opposites of being merciful are being judgmental, finger-pointing, always being negative. Judgmental people love to shine the light elsewhere because it takes the light off of their own problems. What does it mean when it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy? What does that mean? Well, we've already been shown mercy if we're forgiven and in the Messiah. So this could be talking about we're shown mercy by other people. As we sow, we shall reap. If we're merciful, if we show mercy, we'll receive mercy from others. It could also be talking about our future failings. Um, If we're merciful towards people, um, next week, if we fall short and we have to ask Yahweh to forgive us, He'll be merciful to us. You say, is Yahweh's mercy um, predicated upon me showing mercy to others? I don't know how all that works intricately. But I do know that at the end of the Lord's Prayer, He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will forgive, forgive you of yours. But if you retain them, if you don't forgive men's trespasses, in other words, when they ask you to forgive them, then your Heavenly Father won't forgive you of yours. So I don't know how all that works intricately in soteriology, in the doctrine of salvation. I'm just telling you that's what the Scripture says. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart because they will see the Almighty. To be pure in heart, to be genuine, a person of integrity, a person of honesty, this is only possible by the power of Yahweh. And it's because we all have a rotten heart to start with. Uh, Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then in Matthew 15, Yeshua says that, It's not that which goeth into a man that defiles him. talking about eating bread with unwashed hands. Uh, It's not the ritual washing of the the Pharisees uh, that if you forget to do that, you're not defiled when you eat your food. He says, but it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. For out of a man's heart, a lot of times we want to blame everything on Satan or the fallen angels. Yeshua says, out of a man's heart, and then he lists all of these sins. The heart of man, the natural heart of man, natural inner man, I'm not talking about the organ that pumps blood, I know I point there, and I think it's it's a metaphor that helps us understand the interior portion of a person. By nature is rotten and filthy. Only by the power of Yahweh can it be made clean. That's why David prayed in Psalm 51 after he had sinned in the matter of Uriah the Hittite and Bathsheba. He prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O Elohim, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The reason David prayed, Create a clean heart in me, is because David could not create a clean heart by himself. He knew that Yahweh had to do it. In Acts 16, verse 4, there was a woman named Lydia, a seller of purple garments and she began to listen to the things that the Apostle Paul was telling her as they were down there by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made on the Sabbath and the Bible says that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the things that were spoken by the Apostle Paul and when she received them talking about belief in the Messiah she and her whole household were baptized and they were forgiven of their sins in the Messiah that day Realizing this will make you more loving towards everyone. What do I mean by that? When you realize that it's only in the power of Yahweh to create a clean heart, when you realize that your heart is deceitful and wicked and full of adulteries and murders and blasphemies to begin with, and that unless Yahweh creates a clean heart in you, that you won't be pure in heart. When you realize that, it will make you more loving with unbelievers because you realize unless the power of Yahweh is present in their life, They don't don't have a clean heart. And so you don't get all bent out of shape when somebody can't see the message of the gospel or see the message of the law. You just speak to them kindly, speak to them gently, and let Yahweh do the work. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, I planted and Apollos watered, but Yahweh gave the increase. A lot of times we want to get in front of Yahweh and give the increase ourselves, but we can't we can't give the increase only Yahweh gives the increase we can plant we can water but it is Yahweh that gives the growth so let's remember that it should make us more loving if we believe that salvation is of Yahweh it should make us the most loving and merciful people on the planet because we should just be loving and kind to people even though they cannot see the truth of the law and the gospel the heart I mentioned this before it means the inner man it's so easy to clean up the outside. It's totally different with the inside and with our motives. It is so easy. I can make myself, if I can put a disguise on myself and make myself look like a, a firefighter. I don't know the first thing about fighting fires. But I can put on all the gear, put on the mask, um, learn some of the words, learn some of the speech, how to talk and make somebody that doesn't know me make somebody think "God, hey, guy quite the firefighter doesn't mean anything doesn't mean that I'm trained doesn't mean that I, I know what I'm doing and people can make themselves look holy the Pharisees were masters at it a lot of the Pharisees were holy on the outside and then in, inside they were full of dead men's bones they were whitewashed tombs Yeshua says in Matthew 23 they knew how to wear the tassels long and make the phylacteries big They knew how to pray the right prayers and they loved all the great titles to be called Rabbi and Father and Master and Teacher and all of that. But that was all on the outside. They didn't have the inside. Brothers and sisters, I'm looking for the inside. That's that's what Yahweh is saying. One whose heart is towards me. One whose heart is completely mine. Not somebody that wants to put on a show but somebody that has the reality of salvation and holiness inside of them inside of them that's what Yahweh wants blessed are those who are pure in heart for they will see the Almighty I believe that this literally means that one day those who are pure in heart will see Father Yahweh Uh, 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 I think correlate with this Uh, doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he comes back and we're changed we will be like him and we will see him as he is speaking of Yahweh the Father Let's go to verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh Uh-oh, that's going to hit some of us. Not blessed are the troublemakers. (laughs) He didn't say that. He said blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of the Almighty. We are to seek peace in all areas of life if we're followers of Yeshua. We're disciples of Yeshua. We're to seek peace. We're always to look for the peaceful way out. The opposite here is a troublemaker, always somebody that's divisive. I heard a preacher one time tell this allegory story about this guy that everywhere that he drove his car, it stunk, it smelled bad. And so um, he thought it was something outside. And so he drove to the next stop sign and to the next seat and he just kept driving and driving and driving. And he he said, man, my goodness, something's got to be wrong. And finally he got out of his car and he popped up the hood. And he had noticed that the mechanic that he had worked on his car had left a can of sardines right there on top of the motor and they were there and they'd been heating up and they'd been sitting there for a while and they were causing a stench and the preacher said the moral of this story is is if everywhere you go it stinks then you probably got sardines rotten sardines under the hood of your your car and what he meant was if everywhere you go and every person you get involved with, if there's always a problem or always something negative, the problem's probably not outside of you. The problem is probably with you. You need to check yourself. You need to make sure that you're a peacemaker instead of a troublemaker. You don't want to be divisive. You want to be known as somebody that causes friction to come to a halt, that can bring harmony between friends or between the husband and wife or between uh Just people in general. People ought to know Christ followers as peaceful people. People of peace. Usually somebody that doesn't like this message, they'll quote that verse where Yeshua says, I came not to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. But normally when people that are divisive quote that, they're usually trying to wield their own sword. Um, They're trying to quote it because they don't like to be peaceful. They don't believe verses like this, blessed are the peacemakers. So they want to always hang their hat on. He came not to bring peace, but a sword. Um, You can hide behind the claim that you're persecuted. And I say this for a second emphasis, but you may may just be being a jerk. Sometimes religious people, they always claim that they're persecuted, but the reason that nobody likes them is because they're a jerk. Their spirit's rotten. Nobody wants to be around them because they're hateful and they're bitter. So you can't hide behind that aid of thinking that you're always persecuted and nobody likes you just because you're righteous. It might be because you're a troublemaker. You're divisive. Um, any division that is brought, when Yeshua says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword, what he's talking about is division that's brought not because of your bad attitude, but division that's brought simply because of your life, how you live. I can I can testify to this. Um, Maybe I'll get to this more in a moment, but I can testify to the fact that there have been times when people do not like me, not because I've done anything to them, simply because they don't like what I believe and the way that I live. And I even have one tell me that one time. Um, So I can't help that. In that case, even if it's somebody from my closest blood kinship Yeshua came to bring a sword in that regard where that your lifestyle doesn't always line up with what your family or friends want. And so in that case, you're not causing the division with your bad attitude or being a jerk or whatever. The division is being caused simply by the way that you live. So Yeshua came to bring peace on earth. The angel proclaimed in Luke chapter 2 at the birth of Yeshua, peace on earth. And then in Isaiah 9, one of the titles of Yeshua is Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. Um, The sons of Elohim here, you'll be called the sons of Elohim or the sons of the Almighty. That means that you are being like Yahweh. The reason you're called children of Yahweh when you're a peacemaker is because Yahweh is a mighty one of peace. He's called the mighty one of peace five times in the New Testament. King James will say the God of peace. Peace was always offered first. When Yeshua sent out his disciples in Luke 10, verse 5, he said, You first, before you wipe the dust off of your feet, you first, you offer peace to the house. Then if they don't receive you, you can wipe the dust off of your feet and move on. Abraham, I thought about this today, uh, putting this part of the sermon together. In Genesis chapter 13, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham or Abram and the herdsmen of Lot. And Abram spoke up and said, let there be no strife between me and you. You take first pick of the land, Lot. Abraham was a peacemaker. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 10 through 12, Yahweh said when you enter one of these cities uh, that you may have battle with, you offer peace first. Um, You say, Brother Matthew, there were certain places though where the Canaanites inhabited the land and they weren't to offer them peace. They were just to go in and wipe them out. And yes, you know what? You're right. There are cases like that, and when Yahweh gives a direct command to carry out something that He approves of, that trumps everything. But if Yahweh has given us no direct command, the way that we are to operate is, peace first, to be a peacemaker. Verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for what? Once again, it's very important that we get this, for righteousness. And then in verse 11, he says, they insult you and persecute you and say every kind of evil against you because of what? Me, the Messiah. What this is saying is, you're persecuted for your righteous living, your imitation of Yeshua, which Yeshua didn't go around trying to be divisive. He simply lived and served Yahweh, And that alone brought division for some people in his life. But he had a great attitude. He was always peaceful, always kind, always gentle, always serving to Yahweh. And he was persecuted. And if you're a follower of Yeshua, you too will be persecuted. This isn't talking about being persecuted for being obnoxious or overbearing. It's not saying blessed are you when you're persecuted for being pushy and insulting or poking at others. Those are not good things. That is not good persecution it is talking about you're persecuted for truth you're being persecuted for living like the Messiah and as I mentioned before I've had a tiny bit of this in my life um, in that simply by the way that I live I've had people that don't like me I've had people that have not welcomed me on their land um, and it has nothing to do with anything that I have done towards them or said to them simply because of how I believe and what I stand for in the natural it boggles my mind but it shouldn't because of verses like this when we truly live for Yeshua he says that we will be persecuted sometimes to a small degree sometimes to a great degree but their persecution will be there um, let's see here um, when we're persecuted for righteousness it could be something like on your job let's say that you you work a job and somebody wants you to swindle someone Or somebody wants you to tell a lie, or you have to do something that's not—you know—it's not Christian. It's not something for Christian character, but you got to do it to to go up a ladder at your job or something like that, or with your interactions with people, and you're not truthful, you're not completely honest. uh, When you when you work your job with integrity, and Let's say you stand your ground on a Christian principle, even though that means you may not get that promotion, or through your interactions, you tell the truth instead of telling a lie or what they call a small lie or a white lie uh, to cover up something, but you tell the truth and people get mad at you, and sometimes you might even lose a job. It could be a, a job where there are unbelievers in charge and you may lose the job because you're not willing to do something that they want you to do that's not righteous. That's the type of persecution that Yeshua is talking about here. Nothing is worth your integrity. Nothing is worth nothing. All the money in the world is not worth your integrity. You stand strong for Yahweh in service to Yeshua. Uh, let's see here. All these characteristics come to a head here in verses 10 through 12 all these qualities come to pass here and the reason is is because Yeshua tells us that those who are persecuted are not called to complain when Yeshua was mocked and beaten and spit upon and crucified was it unjust absolutely did he complain no when brother Stephen was stoned in acts chapter 7 was it wrong Yes, it was wrong. Is it okay for us to speak out against that injustice? Yes. Did Stephen complain? No. With his dying breath, he prayed for the people that were throwing the rocks at him. He said, Lord, hold not this sin to their charge. And then he gave up the spirit and fell asleep or died. When the apostles in Acts chapter 5 were flogged because they refused to stop preaching about Yeshua to the Israelite community, did they leave with their head tucked down and their tail between their legs and all, woe is me. No. The Bible says they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the Messiah. In Acts 16, verse 25, when Paul and Silas were put in prison, were they put in prison wrongly? Yes. Is it okay for us to say that they were put in prison wrongly? Yes. But were they complaining? No. Their feet and their hands were in stocks. And in the middle of the night, They were praying and singing hymns to the Almighty. They weren't complaining when the persecution came. Suffering is an enlightening study in the New Testament and in early Christianity. Early Christians suffered for the Messiah. um, From fasting, foregoing meals, food and drink, to actually suffering being beaten or put in prison for what they stood for. Uh, The Apostle Paul is a prime example of this. He was beaten a a total of 195 stripes by the Jewish people. And he was beaten with rods by the Romans. And one time he was stoned and they thought they had killed him. He was left for dead, but he he got up. He wasn't fully, completely dead there. Hadn't uh, given up the spirit. But they all welcomed it and they all realized that that they were a partaker of the sufferings of the Messiah. They bore the marks of Yeshua when they went through these sufferings. And I know that's a far cry from Americanized Christianity, and we're spoiled rotten as American Christians. Spoiled, spoiled, spoiled rotten. And we think the littlest thing, you know, some, we get upset because we get a little persecution uh, uh, on Facebook or something like that. That's not, that ain't nothing to complain about. Even if it is true persecution, rejoice, just rejoice. Be glad. Great is your reward in heaven. They insulted the prophets too for believing in the Messiah. They, believing in the coming Messiah, they insulted the prophets for living a righteous life. That's how they treated the prophets. That's how they're going to treat you. If you're a true believer, if you're a true believer, you will undergo some kind of persecution. And we ought to be ready because we're not exempt. There could come a time, we don't know this for any of us specifically, but there could always come a time in our life where we may have to undergo Serious persecution as a believer. And are you willing to stand? That will separate the men from the boys, so to speak. When that, If persecution like that came, we'll see who really believes in Yahweh and in Yeshua and who is just putting on a facade. So we must be always ready just in case anything like that ever has to happen to us and realize that if we suffer with Him, we will reign with Him. But if we deny Him, He will deny us. So we just take it like Yeshua did when he was falsely accused and we pray that through our example our persecutors will be saved. We want them to come to salvation because they see us imitating Yeshua in being poor in spirit and being kind and being gentle and being a peacemaker and being loving. All of these attributes we've talked about here. Now, as I close today, I want to show you something here how that all of these in Matthew 5 are connected with the fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 5. Hopefully you can see this on the screen. But over here, I've got Matthew 5, poor in spirit, blessed are they the more, blessed are the gentle of the meek, hunger and thirst after righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted for righteousness, and me. Speaking of Yeshua. And then in Galatians 5, we have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Each one of these can align with one of these characteristics that are mentioned in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. I think that the Apostle Paul was pulling, at least in part, from Matthew chapter 5. For instance, love. How many of these could we go for being loving? Well, loving is gentle. Loving is merciful. Loving is being a peacemaker. Joy, joy goes down here. We're, we'd be glad when we're persecuted. Peace, peace could go over to gentle. Peace could go over to merciful. And obviously peace could go over to being patient. Patient goes to patience. Kindness links up with a, a lot of these. Being poor in spirit. Faithfulness, hunger and thirsting after righteousness. Gentleness obviously links up with gentle and being meek. And self-control, once again, poor in spirit, mourning, things like that. So the Matthew 5 characteristics, the blessed, happy life, is the same life that Paul talks about in Galatians 5 with the fruit of the Spirit. I thought that up uh, just the other day, and I thought that that was a good correlation, and I wanted you to, to share that with you, and you can make a note in your Bible, linking Galatians 5 up with Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Let me say this in some of my final thoughts here. Um, This is a radical way of life. I know that. Man's ways say to argue for yourself, to think highly of yourself, to be bold and loud, eat, drink, be merry, fight back and judge others. Push yourself to success. That's what man's ways say. And I realize that everything that we've covered in last sermon and this sermon, everything that we've covered goes against the ways of the flesh which proves that what we have covered does not come from earth it comes from heaven these are heavenly principles not made up by a man these come straight from Yahweh and as you put these to practice you will feel slighted you will because you're still incarcerated in your humanity so you're going to feel slighted and you're going to think man I really need to push But you fight that urge. You will think that you need to do something else in order to save face or take up for yourself. But always remember that it's not like that with Yahweh's children. We don't do things like the world does. We overcome through love and peace. We influence through mercy. We cause people to see through love and compassion. Don't use the world's methods. You will always have something tugging you to go back to what man says to do because you think quietness and peace will not work and I want to caution you and urge you trust Yahweh's ways trust his ways always stick with what he says that is the only thing that will make a real change in your life and that is the only thing that will genuinely influence others a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still the old saying goes You don't want to force anyone to believe like you. You want to shine the light of the law and the gospel in their path instead of their eyes. And let the change in them be a true heart change. And if it is, it will stick. And it will stay. Because it's from Yahweh. So... Praise Yahweh for this new moon service today. Blessed new moon, second new moon of the year. I was telling my children we took a walk earlier. This is the moon of Zef, which means the moon of flowers. Uh, first moon is Aviv, which means the ears of barley. This is the moon of flowers. So, notice there's flowers everywhere when you take a walk. So, um, next week we'll be at the congregation, we'll be at the meeting hall. Looking forward to seeing everybody there, seeing everybody smiling faces and letting us get a boost of energy from um, assembling ourselves together for those of you that are not able to make it we will still be glad to have you through facebook live or through the phone fellowship the phone ministry and uh, i pray that that we will be together again we never know when our last day is going to be i've seen that in my own family's life you never know when your last day might be Um, So if this is our last time, if this by some chance is the last sermon that I ever get to preach, I am thankful that Yahweh let me preach it. I am thankful uh, for each and every one of you. Um, I love you with all of my heart. Most importantly though, Yahweh loves you. Don't you ever forget that. Yahweh loves you. So may Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you today. You've been so good to us and you've blessed us so much more than we could ever imagine or deserve. Father, we pray for the lost. If there's anyone listening or watching that doesn't know you, we pray that through the teaching of your word today, they would come to repentance and they would come to know you and they would, through faith in Yeshua and baptism into Yeshua, be given a new heart and a new life. Father, I love you, and I thank you for everything that you've done in my life, in the life of my family, and in the life of our church. I pray that it will continue to grow, not necessarily in numbers. Do I pray that the lost would be saved? Absolutely. But I'm not looking for big numbers. I'm looking for quality people. I pray that we would grow in grace and in knowledge and in quality. Bless those that are sick. Father, we continue to lift up Brother T.J., my dear friend, my best friend, and we pray for his complete healing. He's battling cancer right now. We do pray that you would heal him and give Sister Kim strength and and all of his children whom we love all of his family. Uh, We pray, Yahweh, Father, for anybody else that may be battling any type of sickness. Father Yahweh, we lift up those, not just in, in our midst, but around the world, Who have lost their loved one. To this virus that is going around. We do lift those up. Who are mourning right now. And I pray Yahweh as you said. Blessed are they who mourn. For they will be comforted. I pray that you would comfort them. Yahweh Father. In any other sickness that is going around. We pray for the healing. In people's bodies. Yahweh Father most of all. We thank you for Yeshua your son. For it is through him that we have. Everlasting life. You sent Him to be the Savior of the world. And we believe in Him. And through that, we are acknowledging that we believe in You. You are the sender. If not for You, Yahweh, nothing would ever happen. Nothing would ever be accomplished. Thank You, Yahweh, for sending us Your Son. Thank You for letting Him live a life that was perfect. And then dying as our substitute on the cross. Resurrecting to eternal life. Victorious over death and the grave, and then ascending into heaven to be our high priest and mediate for us to you, so that we could have peace with you, Yahweh. I love you, Yahweh. Help us to always stay on that narrow path. Through Yeshua, I pray. Amen. Yahweh bless you. I'll see you guys next week by Yahweh's willing and mercy. Shalom.